Hello everybody and welcome to the 113th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these right here are the Chronicles of Scott Reader. It is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and joining me as always is this handsome fellow right here. Scottsman Tom, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit it! there you're about to enjoy the chronicles of tom and jamie hi everyone i'm kevin Matten. hey guys my name's annabelle knight hello this is becky baldwin hello i'm chesney hey what's up everyone this is brayden from say we can fly a moving ceiling fan gathers dust like a motherfucker no i meant we're like glue or toffee getting out of a sticky sorry oh it's one of those rare occasions that tom actually enjoys something said by a child <laughs> week we are joined by drumming legend Scott Reader. Most notably known for being the drummer of rock band Fu Manchu, Scott joins us to talk all about his brand new solo record Lights Out on the Shore under the name of Jacket Thief. You'll find all about why in a minute. But we learn all about the album all about what Fu Manchu are up to. And yeah, this album, this interview rather, is absolutely wonderful. I mean, the album is great as well. That's what you're going to say. But yeah, um, Scott, obviously coming away from behind the drum kit and putting himself front and centre, um, playing some guitar and, you know, doing some vocals and whatnot. It's great. Uh, and he's just a really, really nice guy. Yeah. So like, it's just a really fun interview, um, which I think you're all going to enjoy. Fu Manchu fans uh, and solo artist fans alone uh, will enjoy this thoroughly. It's just a, a down-to-earth, very humble, very wonderful human being. Uh, and this is a lot of fun. So, Jamie! Yes, sir. Do you have any final words at all? <laughs> just a massive thank you to our wonderful guest, Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time out and talking to us. I'm about to get my heart off the ceiling. Thanks for that, you bastard. <laughs> You're very, very... I push that poo back into your bum. Um, here we go! Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Jacket Thief Scott Reader! Yeah. Hey, gentlemen, this week we bring you another fantastic guest. Today's guest is drum royalty, playing drums for over 40 years, touring all over the world, as well as being one of the busiest drummers like ever. Playing in bands like Smile and most famously Fu Manchu, but now he steps away from behind the drum kit and turns into a jacket thief. Not too mixed up with the guy from Caius, but you never heard that before. Boys and girls, ladies and thems, Join us as we bring you the Chronicles of Scott Reader. Good morning. Good evening. Good evening. How are you, sir? Thank you very much for joining us. Coffee in hand, dog at my side. There you go. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. She made your television debut. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we uh, we start getting into uh, to Phil and to Jacket Thief. Like, how was the last few years been for you with the pandemic and everything? Like, especially from a personal perspective, being in the States? I don't even know what you're talking about. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> never existed. Never happened. Wasn't even a thing. <laughs> don't even know what you're talking about. Last three years have been quantified wonderful. Excellent. Great answer. <laughs> for me, you're asking. Yes, for me, bonafide wonderful. Yes, yes. 
I mean, I, you know, things could have been better, but they could have been worse too. So, you know, I'm still here and that's, that's the main thing. So, you know, uh, still ticking, still kicking, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was, uh, it was just time to start music, you know, and, and play, play a lot of music and, and handle what was in front of you and what you could, what you could, uh, what you could control, you know? And so, um, that's where playing music is, you know, you can control that. You can always pick up a guitar. You can always sit behind a drum set. Even if there's nobody there, uh, you can do that. You know, so that's, that's something that can't be taken away from you no matter what. Yeah. And that's the important thing. Absolutely. And, but that, in that case, luckily, uh, I'm lucky to have that and uh, lucky to still have it. And, uh, you know, every day, that's kind of what I think. So no matter, no matter what's going on, you know. You found, you found that a lot when we, when we talked to musicians on the show about that time. Because it was very difficult for musicians and no longer been out at all. A lot of people were like, while I was home, I still had my instruments. I kept myself busy and I still played. And that's what's important at the end of the day. Still doing yeah, the passion. I, I never stopped teaching the entire time. As a matter of fact, I got busier. So oh, yeah. I was not, I was not, luckily I wasn't in a position where, you know, I, I had to, you know, cancel. I mean, yeah, we canceled tours, but everybody did. So, but yeah, I mean, I kept, I kept busy and I had more people, uh, you know, not knowing that I was doing that. And then, then when, once they found out, then they were on board, you know, so that was cool. It's a good thing. So a, qu a question I like to do at the start of every episode is before we take it back to what you're doing now, you take it back to the days of young master reader. What did you want to be when you were growing up and you were a young lad? Has, has it always been music for you or was it train driver, spaceship, pilot? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it might be. Nah, that, that stuff requires too much math. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I can't count beyond four. So, <laughs> <laughs> Which is ideal. <laughs> ideal if you're going to play rock, rock and roll. So, you know, uh, you're getting into sixes and 13 eighths like that you know those are, that's the only math i could do so yeah this is it this is what i wanted to do that's all but yeah where did that love for music come from then specifically the world of rock and metal was it outside influences was was it your parents that introduced this sort of music where did that love come from um i mean i guess yeah i've always always had it you know it's always been I didn't realize I was drawn to the heavy stuff until I got exposed to, you know, I mean, my parents were kind of like, you know, of the seventies and, you know, listened to a lot of the singer songwriter stuff. You know, I grew up with a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, country and, you know, grandparents, big band music and, and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, as I, as you get a little bit older and you, and you, you know, I didn't even know what the sound of a guitar was, you know, somebody explained it to me like that. Yeah. That sound that you like, that's a guitar. I'm like, Oh, okay. So then when you start to hear the heavier stuff, you know, and there was that really super fertile period of, of, from probably like, you know, 78 to probably 83, where there were just tons of new music coming out, you know, mm. and getting exposed to, you know, at least here in America, like, you know, getting exposed to like 
the Scorpions and Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Motorhead and and those bands, you know, that that, you know, made it across here somewhere or somehow. And then, you know, also being exposed to, you know, drumming wise to bands, you know, it's like I would have never probably gravitated toward listening to you too if it hadn't been for Larry Mullen Jr. Because you you hear drums in a different way than you've heard them and you go like, oh, you hear drum sounds. I've always been a fan of drum sounds. Mm. Um, and dr- drums drums in general, that's always been the attraction for me. For, I was always walking around, you know, my grandfather used to yell at me and stuff, you know, because I'd walk around going like, before I knew what it was. And he'd tell me, he was like, you knock that dick a dick a shit off. So, you know, that was, and then, you know, we would, he had, uh, he had, uh, used to, he was laid linoleum, you know, for tile and stuff. And so he had these big buckets that you see the guys on the street corner playing on. Mm. Well, we were, as kids, we'd take these buckets that used to be full of glue and stuff and you turn them upside down. And then you realize that if they're on the ground, they make a different sound. But if you lift them up, they sound a little bit different. And so my cousin and I, we'd build drum sets. You know, take a a barbecue grill and suspend it on something, make a symbol. You know, I didn't know what we didn't know we were doing. We just saw pictures of, you know, Roger Taylor and Bev Bevan and, you know, all these drummers and stuff. And we were all like, oh, that's cool. And then, you know, started taking lessons, you know, at eight or nine or whatever. And then it just kind of like I had a drum. I had a a band teacher in, uh, you know, grade school that kind of I guess, you know, she saw something uh that i was interested in so she cobbled together we didn't have a drum set you know it's public school so she took a gigantic concert bass drum probably a 28 inch bass drum got an old ludwig speed king pedal put together a a pair of like orchestra crashes on a stand and i already had a snare drum and then she whipped out a copy of carmina pieces realistic rock and said i found this book with rock and roll beats in it and i think we should you know try and learn some of this stuff so she was the one who taught me to play that first beat and then it was literally like light bulb oh shit i can do this you know and plus you're you know you're searching obviously for that thing like what's your thing you know and i didn't have a thing i i didn't like sports i didn't you know i played sports but i wasn't a you know a sports kid and then once i started doing this and then you saw these guys that were like athletes on stage you know, the guys that could play a million miles an hour and they're sweating and they're, you know, that the music sounds rad. And then once you, uh, once you figure out that you can play some of their songs, then you're like, oh shit, I can do this, you know? And so then it was like, I don't care about nothing. <laughs> but still, before, don't. <laughs> first and foremost, if I was wearing a hat, I'd tip it to that teacher of yours because fair play, that is incredible that she yeah. found, got the pieces together to see how passionate you were about that. That is yeah. absolutely amazing. And yeah. I, I, I wrote I, a story about her on my, on my website that I published a couple of years ago that's on there. Um, and I never got the chance to thank her after the fact. I, I, I wanted to come, you know, back to where I grew up and, and, uh, and find her and thank her and go like, look, you know, I wrote her a letter, I think sometime in the mid 2000s, and tried to find a way to send it to her. Then I found out that she passed away. So, no, she, you know, she did that with a lot of people. She, you know, she was just one of those people. I mean, she was, you know, a public school music instructor. She didn't get paid a lot, you know, 
Um, and uh, she did drive a really cool van, though, unless I can <laughs> tell you that. She had a blue van. And she would sometimes, like, transport the kids in the van, like when we had to go, like, st stage band concerts at another school and stuff. As a matter of fact, she even got a ticket one time with us in the van. <laughs> well, she how was you that? He was being king of the road before anybody. <laughs> <laughs> this teacher's becoming an even more of a legend as the stories go on. This is amazing. Yeah, Miss, Miss Whaley. <laughs> Miss Whaley. Carolyn Whaley. Long, long she reigns. That's amazing. I love the fact that's why you were saying, like, because a lot of musicians are saying, like, oh, I saw this person play or I heard this song and I just fell in. But to you, it was just like, no, there was just something about drums, no matter what it was was always there it drew me to it that that's a may i find that really fascinating yeah and i mean i you know growing up i mean i just again like i heard you know the 70s drums the dead drum sounds and stuff like that you know and then uh i think my first concert was the moody blues when i was like eight or something you know and i'd never seen a drummer live and i remember watching graham graham edge had a he had a blue vista light uh double bass Ludwig. Okay. So when I, you know, you see pictures of, you know, you know, I'd never seen two bass drums before. I was like, Whoa, what's that? You know? And I remember that he played and I've, and I've verified this cause I've gone back and re and like researched recordings and stuff of theirs online, like live bootlegs. And he played everything so much faster. It was, everything was like, if they were playing Ride My Seesaw, I wasn't like, ride, ride my seesaw. It was like, down, 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 And it, he was like, he was stepping on it, you know? And the guy was just, you know, and that was the first drummer I probably saw, you know, live. Um, and then I saw Carl Palmer with Asia on the very mm. first Asia tour and saw the first drum solo I ever saw. And I'm like, oh, well, got my first copy of modern drummer and i was like that's it i'm you know i'm in and then you know kind of went through that whole period like i want a lot of drums what a lot of drums drums in here and drums in there you know big kits and all this stuff and then sometime around i think 86 maybe which was you know that's what year is that master puppets yeah somewhere in time rain and blood like you know all of these records right and then I think MTV showed the song remains the same over a weekend and I watched it and I went, holy shit, you can do all of that with little, very little. So, you know, kicks you in the head and that was a, a light bulb moment too. And, you know, many light bulbs later. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because there's always that question, isn't there, at school, it's like, what you'll be when you grow up? And most kids go, oh, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. Whereas obviously for you, it's just like, drums, there you go. That's it. Life complete. I'm sorted. Yeah. You know, whatever, I mean, whatever it took, whatever I, you know, I mean, if I, if there was a job that got in the way of playing drums, I, I was kind of like, I need something that's going to, I can't work too hard with my hands. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. So. <laughs> Go look after these bad boys. Yeah. Just, just that venture. What, what snowboarding. No snowboarding. <laughs> What, what did your parents say when you told them like that you wanted to be a professional musician? That was, that was what you were going to be. Uh, you know, I mean, they always kind of believed in it and they knew how passionate I, I was about it. I mean, obviously they wanted me to do something where I was going to be able to support myself, you know? So 
that's, you know, always a parent's concern. I remember, I think I told a, a high school guidance counselor that and they were like, well, you know, it's not really a good career choice. I'm like, is it not a good career choice or is it just a career that you don't agree with? You know, so, and you know, it's obviously, especially nowadays, it's very, it's not even really a career. You can't have one, you know, unless you've already kind of established one, I guess. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's kind of always what I wanted to do. I never knew I would teach that. I didn't think that I would ever have the capacity. I had had somebody recommend that I do that once, but then I kind of fell into it about 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's been an awesome thing. It's been really great. Yeah, I think it's always to pass on that knowledge. And, you know, you've been in the industry for quite some time now. Um, so I like the fact that it's like, here's, you know, what I pass down to the next generation. So, you know, bring the new generation of drummers in, start taking the music scene to the next level sort of thing. Because I think the music scene now is a minefield of how many Instagram followers do you have? How many followers on TikTok do you have? Um, you know, and it's not really... From, from from what I've read or from the outside, there's like not a whole lot of money involved with it anymore. It's a lot of people at like Spotify don't want to pay anyone anymore. It's crazy. It's not that they don't want to, it's that they don't. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Too many words yeah. there. I think I, read, I think I read a story about Peter Frampton getting something like 55 million streams of Baby, I Love Your Way, and he, he made $1,700. I mean, that's right. That's It's what? robbery. It's robbery. Yeah, it's it, that's exactly everybody's reaction to it. So and oh. people say, you know, people will say, oh, well, don't bite the hand that feeds. Well, if that's feeding me, I'm fucking starving. <laughs> yeah. So. That's fucking Peter Frampton, for Christ's sake, let alone like, other musicians. You know, so, I mean, and again, it's like, you know, the, the labels, again, have done what they've always done. They, they cut back in deals with these people for the big catalogs, you know, and so they're getting the money the you know and it's just and also you know the 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 public consumption of music as you guys know it's become it's it's not a uh, it's a passive thing it's a background noise it's a white filter it's 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 not something that's a an active listening you know it's like when i made this record i wanted to i wanted people to listen to the entire thing because it's got a beginning a middle and an end and that's how i think of of albums you know they should have a continuity to them they're not a, just a bunch of things sort of slapdash together in an order the the running order you know running orders are what bands probably should break up over you know that song should have been second oh no you know but now it doesn't matter because people just pick and you know so but no, you know the, the idea is just to get it out there you know no no i agree if i if i put an album on you start at the beginning and you finish the end. Because at the end of the day, you respect the artists who put the album out. They put it in that order for whatever reason they chose. You listen to it in that order. Simple. Yeah. But yeah. I, I was doing my research, looking on your website, and it was saying that after high school, you moved away to study. And a certain name popped out to me because anyone that knows me knows I am a massive, massive Kiss fan. And you spent some time with Eric Singer, I do believe. I did. So, yes, so what was it? I'm assuming it was studying drums of Eric. So how yeah. was it? I did actually, I did about, I think I did maybe like five sessions with him. Uh, very first time I'd ever played with another drummer, actually. Um, uh, very first time that he kind of taught me about how smaller drums can be louder than bigger drums, depending on how you tune them. Um, and, uh, 
I remember he, uh, I, one thing I remember pretty vividly is like, we took a break and he's like, let's go get something to eat. I'm like, all right. So we went to a drive through or something. I'm like, we came back and we're sitting there eating and we're talking about, you know, Sabbath and, and, uh, and somehow queen came up. This was in 1989 or 90. Okay. Mm. So that was at the point where like nobody was interested in queen you know they were passe they were you know they they couldn't play i explained to students nowadays i i say you know think about this that after live aid queen could not come to the united states and play because freddie was gay think about that now think about the biggest band in the world still today right and yeah. putting on arguably the greatest 20 minutes of live music ever put on you know and they couldn't come over here because of the attitudes, right? And so, but I never, it never dawned on me for some reason. I always just thought Freddie was Freddie. And I had, my parents had, you know, gay friends and stuff. And they were, uh, there was a guy named Jim Holloway that was a, a really great artist. And he was just, he reminded me of Freddie, duh, you know. And they both had kind of the same funny mannerisms and like interviews and stuff. And, and then I asked, I remember I asked Eric and, Eric and I was like, "Is everybody says Freddie's gay? I don't think he's gay." And and he's like, "What do you mean you don't think he's gay? He's Freddie Mercury." And I'm like, "What well, just never dawned on me?" And I just, I mean, I don't care either way. I just, but he's Freddie, and he's like, "Well, yeah, he's just Freddie," you know. And I, and I was like, "Boom!" It was, it was, and then it kind of all made sense, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh wow!" I mean, it actually made me like him even more, you know. But. uh but yeah, I mean, he, we spent some, we spent some good time. He showed me a lot of things uh, about listening sort of in between uh, beats and listening for spaces. And, you know, at, at the time we talked a lot about the Badlands record that he was on this, you know, uh, still, I, I went back and listened to that record not too long ago. It's insane. Um, um, and so, yeah. And funny enough, I think it was about 10 years ago, we came home from a tour and I went to see, kiss owned a football team or something at one of the arenas <laughs> yeah indoor football and so we went uh we went there and one of the people that i know had season tickets but they were doing a, a show for the season ticket holders and she's like do you want to go i was like ah you know i've seen them you know just go you know whatever so they take you in there and it was a big they shuffled everybody through the line to do the meet and greet and everything and so uh we went up to them and uh i stood right in front of eric and i turned around and i and i went burbank 1990 backyard studio you and i did about five sessions together and he looked at me and he goes that's right he's like you don't look any different and i'm like no and he's like awesome have a pick <laughs> that's amazing i love I'm that like, drummers, have, drummers have their own picks okay <laughs> John, i didn't even twig then yeah why the fuck is a drummer giving you a pick yeah what the huh? <laughs> you know where does, he, where does he keep them on the costume? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I studied with him. I studied a little bit with this guy named Rick Steele. Um, I did some lessons, you know, getting my my reading sort of back back together when I started teaching, uh, you know. So, yeah, it was good. That's Always interested in, in kind of learning more about that, you know. I can't help it. As soon as I see someone who has like a, a small affiliation with Kiss, I have to jump in and ask questions. I need to know. It's it, it's built into me. But in was it 1992 you formed Smile? 
92. 92, yeah. And you guys had like phenomenal success. Was was Smile your first band, or is it just the first band that you talk about, if you know what I mean? Like, is this some of those dark uh, projects? Yeah, I, I had played in like, you know, high school bands and cover bands and, you know, stuff like that. And But yeah, I mean, that was the first, you know, original music band that, I, I, you know, had done anything. Uh, yeah, and so, you know, that, yeah, yeah, that was the first, that's a dog butt right there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that was the first band that had really done anything. So, yeah, I mean, we were together for probably seven years, I think. Seven years, pretty much. You had incredible success. Several albums touring with bands like Corn, No Doubt. But what happened to Small? Why? Why did Why did it come to an end? Like I was reading everywhere. I was reading nowhere said what happened. It just. Um. It's well. I mean, it actually they continued after I left. Um. But we had just kind of hit a point where, you know, we weren't. We were trying to get signed again. We were trying to, uh, you know, make the next thing because we had put out two albums. The second one was really well received. Kind of gave, gave us a whole new fan base. Uh. And it just, we kind of hit a point where we weren't really progressing as far as getting music out quickly. And, you know, we would spend like three months doing five songs and I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to split hairs over a drum sound that nobody's going to give a shit about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, but I mean, that's not to say that the songs weren't great. The songs were really good. And my friend, Mike, who I co-wrote some stuff on this record with, um, actually, right around that time, the the the, the song that uh, TLFN song we wrote that song at that time, and um, I just we just never put it out. You know, I mean, he put it out I think with another band that he that he did a different version, but I always wanted to do that version of it where it was just like straight ahead, walking down the road, you know, kind of mm. like that. And uh, so the songs were great, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just you know, I I wanted to get back to because we had not we had not been touring we had not been doing really anything of that sort of nature except for like regional and west coast and stuff like that and i wanted to get back out and you know and so when uh when brant left fu manchu that's brad luckily thought of me and so here i am that's what, i was going to ask how you ended up like taking over from brand new fu manchu so it was literally a case of brand went I, I know a guy by the way i'm on the way out but i, I I could yeah, no, in. Well, we had played, we had played <laughs> shows with them in the early days of Smile because we were all in the same, you know, and then they kind of like, you know, had more projection and more success than we had had and we kind of subsided. And so, but Brad and I always kept in contact and I guess he always, um, you know, sort of respected my drumming, luckily. And uh, so he was the first guy he called. Uh, I was the first guy he called. That's right. He called me. <laughs> <laughs> that's all what what a great call to get as well though it's like do you fancy joining this man yeah, yeah all right cool. yeah sure Why yeah not? i mean it was more like <laughs> you want to come down and 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 have a play and i was like well of course i do and so i went down and i i hit everything as hard as i could <laughs> <laughs> and the rest and, is then, and, then, and then for like a couple of days i was like oh oh boy oh I don't play that hard. And then I was like, okay, well, that's not going to work for an entire tour. You better find out how to do that differently. So, <laughs> Just remember, I got to look after these hands. What am I doing? Yeah. But like, 
I was reading earlier, like I was saying, the first tour he did with the band, like played 17 countries. A couple of years later, you're fully endorsed. You're playing record crowds of 60,000 people. Did you expect all this when you were joining the band? Or was it just like, well, I just joined because they asked me because they needed help? Like, well, ah. well I mean, I, I knew that they were, I mean, I knew that they were, um, you know, I knew that they were big. I mean, way bigger than what I was doing. And I mean, we had had, uh, you know, we had had some success with smile kind of doing those sort of things. And I was never, I don't get apprehensive in front of bigger crowds or uh, crowds in general. I just don't get apprehensive in front of, I just, I don't know. I don't get nervous. I just kind of go out there and I just want to kick everybody's ass, you know, mainly, mainly I want to kick everybody, the, the three guys on stage. That's I want to, I want to, you know, make sure that I kick their ass first. And if that happens, then everything else kind of, kind of flows, you know, but I, um, yeah, I mean, and it's, I'm not, I'm not saying that to be egotistical. I think I'm lucky. It's not that I don't get excited. I get excited, but I just kind of, I feel kind of like maybe a guy who's a surgeon does when he, when he knows that he's got to go in and do what he's got to do and mm. he just does it. And so that's, it's like, I, you know, there's definitely, there's been, a, there's been a couple of times though, like getting on stage and looking out and going like, all right. You know, <laughs> tonight I'm just going to look down at my kit and just ignore all of those people. Yeah, and again, you know, when the crowds <laughs> are that big, you can't you can't see. You know, you can't make contact with the, except for the people that are like you know down front. And if you watch that too long, you know, you're you're going to lose your place. So, <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you decided to step away. Well, not step away from drums, but come out in front of the kit to start your own solo project, which obviously Jacket Thief. Um, what made you want to start doing your own stuff, your own solo stuff? Um, I mean, I've always just kind of written songs and, um, you know, picked up a guitar. I mean, I have guitars sitting all around the house and, uh, you know, I've been interested for a long time in sort of like, you know, modal tunings and things like that. And uh, so I just started mucking around with ideas and, playing figures and I'll pick up a guitar, you know, come home at night, something, sit around, have a whiskey, pick up a guitar, you know, try a tuning, try to play something, record it. And then pretty soon I had, you know, a lot of these ideas. And so I was like, well, maybe I should start putting them together. And then the next thing I know, I was like, you know, I had melody ideas. And so it, it was just, you know, I mean, we've all done uh, like separate things. You know, I mean, I, Bob and I have done the Sun and Sail Club project. He's done Big Scenic Nowhere. Brad's done stuff um, with, you know, Gods of Sometimes, his new record, and uh, uh, Dunsmuir and other projects that he's been involved in. So we're never not all doing something, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, and I, and I, and there was a time for a time I'd be like, well, you know, that's not a song that would be a Fu Manchu song, or that's not a riff that would be, considered for that or something you know but then I was just like you know I'm just gonna just gonna write it and whatever comes out comes out you know and so that's kind of where it where it stemmed from and then you know having the downtime uh it was good for me to just start doing it I figured this is the best time you know because I'm not going to have a chance to do it otherwise you know and so I just kind of picked away at it over the course of a of a year you know 
you ever have like those moments where you think of a melody or a riff at the most inappropriate times? So, you know, you're like, I don't know, like showering or asleep or randomly go, and all of a sudden the tune is coming to your head. You're like, I better note that down real quick, you know, get the voice note out, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, that does happen. And uh, and then sometimes, you know, you can't get to one and you and you go, oh, well, I'll get to that. You know, it's good enough that it'll stick around and then it's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just in the middle of a set, just in the middle of a yeah. Fu Manchu set. You're like, oh, shit. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that, it never happens then, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> My mind is definitely focused on what's going on then. <laughs> just start playing the completely wrong thing. I just, I just had this in my head. Yeah. I just bollocks. <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Where did the name Jacket Thief come from? It's a, it's a great name. I was like, instead of using That's your a, actual name, friend of ours uh, that we just did a, a big memorial show for uh, this guy named Otis Bartholomew. Um, he or everybody called him O, and O was. Uh, if if O didn't come to your sound check, it wasn't a show. Let's put it that way. I mean, he was everywhere. He was, you know, friends with, uh, you know, Jeff Ahmet from Pearl Jam and Tony Hawk. He was a skater. Uh, he was a professional photographer, but he was just a music guy. And if you championed your band, then you, you know, I mean, Smile got signed basically because of O. There were so many bands that he wow. just went, you got to sign these people, you know. And so we were touring with him one time and it's a very long story, but I, I acquired a, a coat of his that was left in the dressing room that I thought was left by like a homeless person. And I wore it for two days, not seeing him. And then I, I, it didn't fit me. I gave it to my cousin. And then he, he saw my cousin wearing it. He's like, where'd you get my jacket? And he's like, my cousin gave it to me. And he's like, well, who's your cousin? He's like, well, it's Scott Reader. And he's like, that guy stole my jacket. So for 20 years, I was the jacket thief. Yeah. <laughs> And he would tell everybody, he would say, oh, you know, that, that guy, he's a great guy. You can't trust him, though. You know, he'll steal your clothes. I'm like, that's true. I have a, dis I have a dishonest clothes stealing streak in me. So <laughs> I do it again if I had the chance. <laughs> when I asked that question, I mean, it was a, it was a literal, it was like a comedy of errors. It was like a, you know, like a three's company sketch. You could have written it and it was pretty good uh, in that sense. So we just, I was always known as the jacket thief. And then people would get in on it and call him and tell him that I, I tried to steal their jacket too, even when I didn't, just to piss him off and just, just to keep it going. It's like the uh -huh. longest, longest running joke ever, so. When I was thinking, writing the question, I was like, please tell me there is a story where we actually stole someone's oh, yeah. jacket. We I'm so happy she was that. We were sitting backstage and, and somebody's somebody's Levi jacket was hanging over the back of the chair uh, at this at the memorial for him. And I forget who it was that walked by me and they were like, you know you want to take it, right? You know you want to take it. I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'm good. Incredible. Yeah. So, so with the with the record, you played all the instruments. You did all the vocals, the songwriting, everything on this album. Is that right? Yeah. Except for like the lead guitars, Bob did those, and then my friend Mitch Townsend did did them on uh, on two tracks with the uh, lap steel, and also just uh, you know just the guitars in general. He did most, but I did all the rhythm guitars and all of the. Uh, all the bass, all the drums, all the keyboards, all the vocals. 
and the writing I did all of, except for those two songs that I co-wrote with, with Michael Rosas. It's phenomenal. What made you want to decide to do it that way? Like, go, like, I'm just going to do this myself. Obviously, get help where I need it instead of like forming another band. Uh, well, I mean, then you got to pay people. <laughs> fair point. Very fair. No, point. I, I mean, I just, you know, I figured I could do it anyways because I had demoed all the songs that way. So everything was demoed. All I had to do was really go in and, you know, leave a little room for creativity, but kind of stick to a structure. I don't like going in the studio unprepared. I mean, we don't do that. I mean, we've never done that with Fu Manchu. We don't create stuff in the studio. We go in and, um, I mean, we did the, we just did a double album the other day. Uh, well, I mean, we're doing a double album right now, I should say, but because we were prepared enough and because we rehearsed enough, I went and I did the drums for the whole record in one day. And I've never done that wow. before. So I did 13 songs in eight hours. And I was just like, I, I don't even know. It's kind of an out of body experience. I don't even really know. <laughs> I mean, we listened back, everything sounded good. And I'm like, well, I guess that's, you know, that's preparation right there. You know, that's what you do. So I was all prepared the same way with this. I had everything written. Um, the only thing I didn't have written was that the, the opening track flying too low, that was actually an instrumental. And I had too many instrumentals on the record. It was affecting the running order. And so I was driving home from a trip one night and uh, I had the title of the song. The actual full title was flying too low to the sea. And, uh, but I kind of took that and I just ran with the idea and I got a melody and I had the lyrics pretty much in like 10 minutes. And then I went home and I was like, shit, I better demo that and make sure it works. And then it did. So it was cool because it was kind of like a different song to open the record with, you know, and, and something that's not, usually you open with like a heavier tune or something or something that's like a little strident. And this was just, you know, it kind of started the sort of imagery that I wanted to have of it as sort of a travel log, you know, so. Mm. Is it quite so that was the last record? thing, that was the last thing written for it. Is it quite a personal record? Is it very personal to you? As far as the- Lyrics, lyrics yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's bits and pieces in there. I mean, um, not everything is, uh, there's definitely a couple of songs that are semi-autobiographical, I guess you could say, but I, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, lyrics are the hardest thing. I mean, I've written some stuff recently that's very personal, um, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I want to <laughs> get that out in the world, you know. Uh, maybe I'll just send it to a few people. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, lyrics are definitely one of the harder things to do. And to really, I think it's, for me, melody is sort of the first thing. And then learning that you don't have to use so many words um you can change a lot with shortening things and um but getting the point across and i mean luckily i've had a lot of people um comment on the lyrics and have said that they really like them so that i'm pretty happy about because um words have always been really important to me just in general and i love a good phrase i love when 
somebody says something and I go, Ooh, you know, and <laughs> snatch that here, here, there. Um, somebody, I think that's where that one of the phrases in one of the songs about somebody that passed away and they said, well, he raised the hell that he knew so well. And I was like, damn, that's a good one. I gotta take that one. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, and, and yeah, and it's funny because the songs definitely take on, even in the past couple of months, they've taken on different meanings to me. So, so yeah, yeah. it's, it's, there's some stuff that's personal, but not all of it is. Was it, when did this be in your first like solo outing? Was it, was there like, even if it wasn't a personal one, was there a, like, a certain message you were trying to purvey with this album? Or was it just a case of, I've written these songs, uh, I want to stick them out there? Yeah, no messages. I mean, I the it's it's more I think really what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to if you said if you got me in a room with a guitar, I could play you each song and their songs. Their complete mm -hmm. songs. I could I could you know, what do you got? Oh, I got this. If you if you sat in a room with three people and they traded songs, "Hey, what do you got?" Well, I got this one. You got okay, that's a good one. Well, I got this one. And you could go tit for tat with somebody and you'd have songs. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to have full fledged songs that if you stripped away all the instrumentation, they would still stand on their own as something that if somebody liked them and they wanted to do a version, they could do their own version of it and enjoy the song. And that's kind of the litmus test is the, the song has to stand up to being played, you know, I mean, Fu Manchu is never going to touch an acoustic guitar, so uh, on stage at least. Um, <laughs> but that's they have to stand up to that kind of scrutiny because if you if you strip away all the artifice and you only have words and melody to go by, then that's all you got. You could you could sing "Take Me Home, Country Roads" without anything, and people, right? I mean, you, yeah. you know. It's, you know, it's a great, it's a great pub song. So not that anything on this record has anywhere near that sort of greatness. <laughs> it's never going to happen. But uh, that was my, that was my litmus test. So the message was just that I just, if there was one, I, that I just wanted to try and write songs. And then what happened is they, as you put them together, they, they started to form, you know, a, it, the, especially with the production, it became kind of cinematic. And I like that. So there's definitely, I've had people tell me that they could see them in, you know, things with films and things like that. So that's, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Being a drummer for so many years as well, I bet it's quite weird promoting an album as playing the guitar and doing all the vocals and things like that on it as well. It's like, this is kind of weird talking about this side of it. I'm not used to this. <laughs> Um, I mean, I've always sang and uh, again, I, I've, I've been around enough. I mean, I'm in a band with, you know, three phenomenal guitar players. So I'm always asking, Hey, what's that? What, what, or, and you know, my friend, Mitch, Mitchell Townsend, the guy who played on the record, he's, uh, an insane guitar player and he is also a lesson guy and he does, you know, music for television and commercials and, uh, can show you, you know, I mean, everything from John McLaughlin to, you know, Mike Campbell. So runs the gamut. So, and I, and I like all that stuff. So, 
um, I know that it's, for me, it's harder to pick up a guitar and go, I, I mean, I play rhythm. That's what I do. And I'm good with, I'm good with rhythm. Um, I'm not good with leads and things like that. You know, I'm trying to get a little bit better, but then again, it's like the lead players that I like, um, are, you know, they're not the, not the flashy guys because I, I couldn't really, if I was to try and get to a point where I could play guitar, I wouldn't even go after that side of things. I would err more to try on the Stephen Stills, David Gilmore type of side of things, you know, uh, and, and listening to what you could do with maybe fewer notes. Yeah. But again, I'm not, I'm not even in the same planet as those people. So I wouldn't even, <laughs> but those would be, those would be two, you know, really good influences. I, I like those, their, their rhythm playing, their lead playing, uh, just, you know, the way that they kind of speak with their, their, their instrument. So when you talk, with a, so when you told with Steve Vai back in the day, you weren't watching from the side of the stage going, one day, one day I'll take I, you, Mr. Vai. I was, I was just impressed that he had two electric violin players on stage with him and they were battling with him, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, I mean, those guys are, you know, that's another, it's a completely different realm of, I had a friend that, that was, that toured with Jeff Beck and was his tour manager for the last seven or eight years and um you know we sat on the side of the stage and watched him at this small club here in santa Ana do a, a rockabilly set um was a tribute to Dwayne eddie and watched him play you know an old gretch and and that just you know sitting literally three feet away on the stairs and watching him do that there's you know i've been pretty lucky to see stuff like that and just go damn you know you're not even going to get in the same vocabulary as that. So I don't aspire to be a guitar player per se, but I just, I like to pick stuff up and, you know, have a go. <laughs> there were, I mean, there were three real standout tracks for me on that record, which were Flying Too Low, the opener. Cause I just, that guitar at the beginning, I was just immediately drawn in. Like, this is incredible. Just straight oh, from cool. the upper. Yeah. So I absolutely loved it about that. I loved the wind gone by. Um, oh. And some kind of murder as well. I thought it was you know a bit punchy, a bit heavier, and it's good. So yeah, those are like the three proper standouts for me. The album's fantastic. I'm not just saying it because you're here. It's from fr start to finish, it's unbelievable. Great, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, those are favorites of mine as well. Absolutely. For me personally, it is a TLFN and As She Drifts. I absolutely love those two songs. But it, as Tom said, from start to finish, it's a fantastic album. Like, there's no doubt about it whatsoever. Oh, great. Thank you. That's but awesome. The album has been out, like, just over a month now. What's what's the reception been like to it? What's the feedback you've had been to it? Uh, it's been really good. I mean, everybody that's, like I said, the majority of the people that have heard it really like it. Uh, the lyrics have gotten good comments. People say that they're, you know, they've named favorite tracks. And, and uh, I mean, it definitely hasn't gone unnoticed, which is you know, nowadays, just getting it noticed is really, you know, the major issue. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's good. And, uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I, there's some stuff that I'm trying to do with maybe some possible remixes of some different things, uh, just for, you know, the purpose of doing it, uh, talking to some people about film stuff and, uh, and, and working on other, other things, you know, 
other songs. So, uh, you know, that that's going to kind of go forward. I don't know, because we're kind of in the middle of making a Fu Manchu record. So it's kind of hard to do both of that at the same time. I was going to say, is there plans to do a follow-up record? Yeah, I mean, I you know, like I said, I've written a lot in the last month, but I don't know that all of that would see, you know, it's just when it comes out, you got to get it out and then you come back to it and go like, okay, is that worth messing around with? Or is it like, huh, does it remind you something you don't want to be reminded of? <laughs> <laughs> would, you, uh, would you ever tour it? Uh, you know, if I did play live, it would probably be, I'd like to probably get some more material out, but I mean, I've, I've, people have asked me that no one's asked me to play, but I wouldn't be opposed to doing it. No, not at all. It's just, you know, having to be a band leader is kind of like a, I don't know. It's, it's a task that I don't know that I'm necessarily up to, but as far as, you know, showing people how to play certain things and, you know, I mean, because that's what I'd have to do is show everybody how to do it. Cause you know, but I mean, it's not like it's super hard stuff to play. I mean, most people, you know, I, I know enough people that are great players that could just go like, Oh, okay. I get it. That'd be uh, great. Yeah. Is it, what, what I'd I'd like, you know, I'd like to, yeah. I'd, so, like, I'd like to do some live stuff, but we'll see. It'd be great. Even if it's just like a one-off show sort of thing, it'd be, it'd be great to see those songs on. Yeah, I mean, if I if there's an opportunity in the next couple of months, I, you know, I might do something like that. So, you can check it out. What I love about you, like, and doing my research on you is, you seem to have like, a, pure, a true pure love for music. And like, I said in, in the intro to this, that one of the busiest man, like in in music. Like I was going through your biography, and I was just getting tired reading. Like it's a decatry Fallout, Sun and Sail Club with Scott Reader, which did make me laugh. The fact that you were with him, even worked with Social Distortion. Do you actually like ever stop? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you have to have time away from it, and. Uh... I think I'm, I, I mean, I'm getting a little bit more to the point where now I, I kind of feel like, you know, I need, you, you always got to have other interests outside of it to inspire mm. it, you know? And so, you know, just trying to cultivate some of those and, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's been, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of like that do what you can, when you can, while you can adage, you know? And, uh, and that's the thing because we don't know, we just don't know, you know, and you gotta, you know, there's people that I, that I thought would be around for a long time that are not here anymore. And, uh, yeah. they, um, you know, they deserve, they deserve that if you're, if you're here and you have the opportunity to carry on in any capacity, uh, if you were inspired by them or what they did, that you kind of owe it to their memory to do that for people that you've known. And uh, yeah, I mean, I want to keep just doing stuff, you know, and I kind of, you know, it's, you kind of have to, I think if you stop, you sort of, you sort of astrophy and you wither a bit, you know? And I mean, I, I play drums, you know, every day, whether I'm teaching or I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't do a lot of practice on my own right now. And I'm just, I go through phases where I'll, I will do that, but I, I do a lot of, you know, I teach a lot. I play every day for that, or I play, you know, I was thinking the other day when I sat 
down to teach, I was like, damn, did I just do an entire record in a day? <laughs> I guess I, I guess I could still play drums, you know? So that's the thing for me. I, I, I go like, man, can I still do this? You know, you sit down and you go like, okay, is it going to be there? Okay. It's there. All right. We're good. You know? And if it's there, then you gotta, you gotta keep after it, you know? Cause I, you know, I want to do it until I can't do it no more, you know? And do it at least until, you know, if there becomes diminishing returns, then you kind of got to know when to, you know, take an exit. But hopefully, not anytime soon. Can't see happening anytime soon. But you did mention about your teaching now, and I know we touched on it earlier, but I love the fact that, you know, you don't just have classes that people can go to in person. You do it digitally as well, which is absolutely right. amazing to see, look, modern technology you can teach people to play drums over the internet how amazing is that i have some i have somebody in five minutes actually (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, there we go (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah no i um yeah it's great you know and obviously that that helped out a lot in the last couple of years too and uh you know haven't necessarily done it on the road yet but we'll probably do a little bit of that next year and uh yeah it's 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 really good and i lucky to be able to connect with people i've made some actually made some really good friends through it as well you know through teaching and uh people that were students that are now good friends you know that started a while ago and also seeing people that i started with that have their own bands that you know do their own thing that are in that have gone on to music academies and um you know that have been on you know tv shows and things like that so it's pretty that's pretty rewarding that is absolutely amazing. And as as you just said, you know, you've got a class in five minutes. I won't keep much longer now. But right. for Pete, this may be hard because, you know, being involved in so many projects. But if there are people listening to this, they're like, I like this guy. I like I like the cut of his jib, as we like to say. <laughs> what are like two or three songs from over your career, from your various different projects you've been in, you might recommend people checking out that are sort of like give a good vibe as to what Scott sounds like behind the kit? Um, let's see. There is a smile song on the second album, Girl Crushes Boy, that's called Peach and Brown. That's a that's a that's actually a uh I I pretty much wrote that song except for the bridge on guitar. And then, you know, we all of us collaborated lyrically. And then it's it's got a really long, nice instrumental passage that kind of goes from slow to fast. That's a song that's kind of a, a good standout for me. Um, I'm pretty stoked on the uh, the uh, instrumental Il Mastro Atomico, the one on Clone of the Universe that Alex Lifeson played on. That's uh, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Uh, and uh and then with this record i mean i you know uh sun and sail probably i'd say that uh the last record the uh, fever blister and the great white dope song is a great song i love that song um and then uh this this record in particular uh i'd probably say furs and fires and uh and then i i would also say as she drifts as well those would be this would be a pretty good encapsulation of where I'm at so far. Amazing. Everybody get those onto your playlists right yeah, now. Yeah, get them. Get them. Go on get there. them. 
<laughs> Mr. Stevens, any more questions for our wonderful guest? Well, I'm going to uh, end here because obviously you've got a lesson coming out, but is there any plugs, any social media things you want people to go and check out? Um, yeah, I mean, the the lesson site is scottreaderdrums.com. Jacket Thief, uh, you know, is obviously on YouTube. Uh, Instagram is Jacket Thief. Uh, I think it's Jacket Thief Music, Scott Reader. And then my Instagram, Scott Reader Drums, is all about Fu Manchu and lessons and pretty much everything uh, having to do with me. And then, uh, but just musically related. And then, um, uh, plug wise, I mean, I think we have a, a reissue coming out for Record Store Day. Um, as a matter of fact, if you'll hold on a second. Yep. It looks like this. Oh, oh look at that. That looks very double platinum. There you go. This is a cover of a cover. That's what yeah, that is. <laughs> what, this, what this is, is this is the three 10 inches that we did uh, in the last three years, because there were supposed to be, we're supposed to do three in the 30th anniversary year. But that obviously didn't work. So what we did is we took them all and we did a, a cover of Working Man uh, to raise uh, funds for brain cancer research that was released on Neil Peart's first birthday uh, after he passed away. And of course, the naysayers out there were like, well, he didn't even play on it, man. It's like, well, yeah, but he, all, he obviously played it for 40 fucking years. Yeah. <laughs> so and it was the last and, you know, and I think we put up a post about, you know, oh, it was the last song that he played live at the forum, you know, when we when we went to the show. And uh, and somebody was like, no, it wasn't. They played a snippet of Garden Road. I'm like, whatever, you, you, you know, I'm not going to argue with graffiti. I'm not going to do that. So, um, you know, so anyways, that that is included on here as well. And then what we did is we resequenced the record. So it's not just you know 10 inch one two and three in order there's a different sequence to it so it's an actual standalone album on its own and uh and it's 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 pretty awesome sounds really good so that that'll be out record tour day uh in europe actually only europe europe and the uk for vinyl release oh. and then i believe it's out here digitally you know that then as well uh we'll be reissuing the the live album the, the original live album go for it live I think at the beginning of the year and then uh, possibly another another King of the Road reissue. I don't know exactly if that's happening. And then the new album should be out in May. And then also there's a new Sun and Sail Club album in the works as well. Wow. That's a lot going Visi on. Busy, busy, busy boy. <laughs> oh, Kevin. Oh, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. It means the absolute world. We don't want to keep your student waiting, so we shall let you get uh, out of here, but it means the absolute world. Thank you so much for sitting and chatting with us. Thank so. you guys very much. Appreciate the time, for sure. And uh, yeah, everybody, go get go get the Jacket Thief album, Lights Out on the Shore. Uh, you can do the vinyl uh, in the UK from Cargo Music UK. You can do direct from me in the United States through Bandcamp. Uh, and then it's obviously available digitally worldwide. Phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah, listen to Scott. Go and get it. Go listen right now. Go get, uh, it. get it down. Get it down your neck. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much, buddy. I hope you have, have an absolutely wonderful day. Pleasure talking to you, and we'll catch up with you soon. 
All right. Thank you guys very much. Cheers. All the best, Scott. Bye-bye. Cheers. What an absolutely phenomenal interview. Absolutely love talking to Scott. Like, seriously, everyone go check out that Jacket Thief album. It is absolutely fantastic. From start to end, it is a superb album. It gets the chef's kiss for me. Yeah, it's like hit after hit. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of variety in there as well, which is quite nice. Um, changes it up a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's great. So, Scott, we wish you every success with the, with the Jacket Thief project. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you on tour someday uh, doing Jacket Thief, maybe alongside Fu Manchu. Who knows? Uh, but mainly, thank you so much for taking the time out. And we really hope that you, you right here, all of you listening right or watching right now, like when I'm wiggling my finger, enjoyed listening to it, which is we did recording it. Jamie, I mean, you're all right there. What are you trying to sort away? That was a fly, sorry. That's absolutely, don't have to apologize. So I, I swear flies do it intentionally. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it's a light thing, maybe. Or it seems to be in the vicinity of, oh, they're doing something quite important. I better make sure I get in. It's my 50 minutes of fame. <laughs> um, don't you find it absolutely insane that we abide by the laws of the advent calendar? Oh, yeah. I find that really weird. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know why I saw a pay, I saw a post uh, former guest Christian posted um, about oh that advert cows delicious can't wait for tomorrow's where it like polish the whole thing and then wait for the next and like, it got me thinking like it's so crazy how you go number five oh I got a snowman I wonder what tomorrow's is going to be rather than fancy a bit of chalky eighteen or do bosh <laughs> it's only the sixth what's going to happen no Santa's not going to come down and start kicking my ass. Yeah, oh, <laughs> most people actually follow the number order because you don't really need to. As long as you only have one a day, you're good, really. But I yeah, think it's nuts. I just I don't understand why it's like not communism, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Like it's so regimented. I, I, but then you feel like a dickhead, or you feel like, like you've been naughty for going off off schedule. <laughs> Some pages compared advent calendars to communism. <laughs> it, it's just weird. I don't. I, but I find myself going because I've got Reese. Because of course I've got Reese's Peter. Of course Bell you've got Reese's. Of course I've of got course. Reese's. And I was just like, "There's a massive fucking one in 24." I'm like, why just eat that first? Why am I going for the little Diddy cups? Why am I going for the monster? I suppose because that's your reward, isn't it? You've waited this long and knowing it's there. Now you can have it. I know, but you don't get a prize, and nobody nobody comes to kill you or anything. Like you don't get ill. It's so weird. I was just find that really fascinatingly odd. It's the pe- the people I don't understand are the people that forget about it for several days. Look, like, oh, I've got five to catch up on. I'm like, that's part of my morning routine for all of December. <laughs> Fuck you. It's the first thing I do. Come downstairs and open my two advent calendars. Thank I, you very I, much. I also love how judgmental people get if you get more than one calendar. I've got two. Of course you have. Yeah, of but course you have. one's chocolate and one's rubber ducks. So, And that goes to my second point. Why? Why what? Why have they veered away from food? Why have all of a sudden, can you now get beer, advent calendars, and it costs like well, 50 quid? Like, are you, yeah. are you for real? Like, are you ill? What the hell are you? What? I don't understand. Like, so this rubber ducks thing, Why? To be fair, I just saw it on my and was like, holy shit, I can have an army of 24 rubber ducks by the end of December. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with them? I have them in the bath, obviously. Do you have baths still? Yeah. Okay, I say I'd rarely. <laughs> it's always one of those, there's, uh, that feels like a treat now. <laughs> I've been a bath age. for you. Yeah. 
it's it's can you be fucking asked to wait for it to fill up to be fair yeah i normally like put it on and then go do something else while i'm waiting i don't just sit there and wait because i know that will drive me mad <laughs> and i'm shit best room upstairs <laughs> But no, I do generally find a bath is because we're so fucking old now. Oh, I'm really aching. I could do with a soak. And maybe a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get some fucking Epsom soak. Get some Radox in there. I was going to say, get some muscle relaxing Radox. That's my treat for the week. That also blows my mind. Muscle relaxant Radox. What's going to happen? You're going to turn to jelly? (laughs) Oh, shit. I've I've had too much Radox. Fucking hell. That's why my neck's fucked. I used too much muscle relaxant on it. Yeah, yeah, it just went wobbling all over the place. Like Bart, you know, homeless friend was Bart in Halloween, uh, the Treehouse of Horror, and his neck gets really long. His head like hits the floor. It's like that. Oh, I'm too, I'm too fucking relaxed now. Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm wobbling all over the place. <laughs> like Mr. Fucking Tickle. <laughs> oh, that's that's a, I'm on one tonight. I, I don't know why. It's great. I'm fucking, I'm fucking on one. I think I'm just sick of people's shit. Oh. I claim to know people I don't actually know, but I'll tell the world about it. Um, this also blows my fucking mind. I watched, I think it's Virgin Mobile. What's the advert with the goats that hang glides and it plays um, St. Elmo's Fire? I have no idea. I've not seen the Virgin. Either. There's an advert with, with hang gliding goats. And, okay, I need to see right? And then, like, oh, because goats are in it. Um, and then that's where I got my mountain goat thing from, because there's mountain goats stood like, fuck, fuck it out. I better not move. Charlie, don't fucking move. All right? I've only got a little bit of rock left. I can't fucking... If I stand here any longer, I'm I'm gone. I'm going down. <laughs> and not in an earlier round either, or whatever Fallout Boy said. Um, <laughs> but people that love to go... I'm going to trust this metal bar with these apparent wings and I'm going to throw myself 500 feet off this cliff. Are you, you all right? Like, what? Hey. Oh, I love the thrill. Yeah, but how do you know that's going to work to start with? Do you need wind? I, I, imagine, I imagine it's quite windy because it's quite high up. Yeah. But, like, and how do you train yourself to do that? You can't. That's a thing. You've just got to fucking go for it and hope for the best. The more mental ones are the ones that wear the suits with the wings in. Oh, yeah, I've seen them as well, yeah. They're the sort of things I like to watch, but you ain't going to catch me fucking dead doing it. I just I just think, what if you catch it on a bit of cliff? What if you hit a pyramid? I saw a guy paraglide over a pyramid. I'm like, why? What? I, oh. I don't I don't understand. What is, what is, that's got a point at the top. <laughs> so if you catch yourself and that slices, see you later. Cheers for coming. <laughs> Your time on Earth is done. I saw a video last night, weirdly enough. Someone at work showed me. And you know you got those hotels that have got the pools that go like go over the edge sort of thing. Yes. He literally um surfs that up a ramp and dives off the side of the building and then parachutes down. I'm like, you fucking mad bastard. Why? Just get in the lift like a normal person. I get people like the, the thrill, but no. I mean no. Even bungee jumpers, like no. I'm all right. I'm all right. My brother's done it. But I like the thrill of walking with my two feet on the ground, and I'm going to stay like that. Thank you very much. And I congratulate Mally for jumping out of the plane. I do. Good for you know her. <laughs> but no, thank you. No. I'm all no. good. 
I'm absolutely fine. You know, I don't want to pay you millions of pounds to throw me out of a plane. I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> That's the other thing, yeah. Like, I want to leap to my potential death, please. Here's 200 pounds. What? <laughs> no. Yeah. And I don't think I trust anyone enough in this life for me to be strapped to them to jump out of the plane. No. I hear you, my friend. I hear you. And now I'm about to play my even further. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. I'm pretty oh. tired. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking knackered and I'm raging for no reason. I don't know I was why. Say, why are you so angry today? What's going on? Um, the, the thing is, I only gave you two things there and I was waiting for you to go oh, mental. Shit, you did? Yeah. That's oh, why I was... you threw me off then. Oh, you bastard. You threw me yeah, off. Mind so... games. That's right. I only, I, I don't know. Um, I only had two things today to, to bring. Um, but I thought instead of scheduling it like fuck some sort of fucking game show or some bollocks, I was just gonna talk at you and just see what happened. And it was actually way more fun than going, so first things first, I've got some celery. Can you believe celery is made of water? Anyway, next point. <laughs> and tastes like shit. Oh, yeah, P- you might as well see cucumbers pretty much the same thing, isn't it? No, because cucumbers of, taste nice at least. Made of water. Made of the same shit. Yeah, but celery's not nice. It's fine. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm sure I'm sure celery will get by without you consuming. <laughs> yeah, celery's there like fucking hell, like ginger pricks back again. <laughs> you better not bat. You better not bat. Isn't like me. Just throws me away. Then I've li- had to live through trash and garbage for the rest of my life as I decay, <laughs> and it fucking hurts. I don't want. I don't want to be thrown in garbage. If you're gonna eat me, fucking eat me properly. <laughs> Yeah, and enjoy me. That's what I'm here for, to be enjoyed. <laughs> I feel slightly bad now for the veg that the rabbit doesn't eat that goes in the bin now. You've made me feel guilty. But... Celery is mostly bought in January when people go, New Year, new me. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's coming soon. <laughs> oh, yep. so, new Year, same twat. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back to the gym in January, but I want to enjoy my Christmas first. I want to smash as much food as I can, yeah. but I'm the heaviest I've ever been. So I'm like, I'm going to smash as much food as I like, and then I'm actually going to sort my fucking life out because um, it's disgusting and no one needs no one needs a fat ginger, let alone a ginger just per se. <laughs> um, so yeah, but no, I'm good. I'm just raging and I don't know why, uh, but it makes for good content, clearly, because I don't think I've stopped laughing the entire time we've been here. So, um, which is which is all good. I mean, if you're going to um, get angry and compare advent calendars to communism, it's going to amuse me, let's be honest. I think anything amuses you, though. I, I could literally say, like, chocolate and bum. And I think you'd probably find... Fuck you. you know what I mean? It's, it's just because that's how your mind works. And that's yeah, fine. Completely immature, yes. And that's fine. And that's fine. Um, I'll tell you one thing, quite personal thing, actually. But, you know, this is what this show's for. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't leave any stone unturned. My granddad randomly video calls me for the first time in eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. As we were recording the show. So I was just like... No, I'm all right, thank you. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say you had a nice catch-up then. No, I'm all right. I'm absolutely fine. So uh, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been all right. It's been all right. Um, I've just gone back to work last night for night shift, so that's why I'm kind of tired because, you know, adjustment period. But, yeah, I've done a couple sorry, of shifts. Sorry, sorry. It's, it's sounded like, because oh, it's just on my period. <laughs> that's what I just sounded like. Genuinely, that's what that sounded like, that you're on your period. Genuinely. You know, sorry, I worked last night first time back, you know, because I'm just on my period, so... <laughs> Yeah, you know how it is. Come see, come sir. <laughs> easy come, easy go. <laughs> oh. Hey, do you think I was going to say I was on my period? What? Because literally, the way you murmured, murmured, <laughs> the way you muttered it, sounded like you said you're on your period. Generally. Anyway, carry on. 
I'm going to hear that back now and just not be able to hear anything else. As you were. As you were. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, last week, since we last recorded, we put up the Christmas decorations, which, as you know, it's that time of year, which means the return of these little fuckers every goddamn night. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. I'm so glad that I don't have to pretend that elves live in my house. They're good fun. The kid enjoys it. What? Where does she think they go in January? Go back to Santa. Oh, um, you know what you should do, right? When she knows that Santa's now not real, is you just tell them that they got burnt in the fiery depths of hell or something <laughs> after oh, all the sh- after all the shit they caused. Oh, you, Jack and Sally. you you murdered them. Oh god, you named them as well. Oh my oh, god, the kid did. Oh okay, I was about to be sick. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, but I I just see something like really like you gotta learn. You're eight now. Um, <laughs> You meaning you are fox given none. <laughs> but wait, uh, let me find it. Let me find that fuck. I just, I just oh, I'm, I'm fresh out. <laughs> uh, but other than that, the wife went away for the weekend with her friend in Amsterdam uh, after a fucking treacherous journey there and everything. Bless her, had an absolute nightmare. Uh, on the way to the airport, there was a crash on the motorway, then the flight was delayed, and then when they finally got over there, the train to get to the hotel was delayed. <laughs> They almost didn't get back because the flight's been cancelled because of the weather. They had an absolute nightmare. But they had a great time while they were there, so fair play to them. And while they were there, me and Olivia had daddy-daughter weekend, so we had a movie night with snacks. We watched DC Super Pets, which is a great fun film. Um, We went to a friend's house for her son's birthday. We went to the Sea Life Centre. We just had a nice little weekend together. We had a right laugh, bless her. And uh, Saturday night, I decided that I was going to stay up to half four in the morning and watch the last ever Kiss concert I paid for the pay-per-view because I couldn't bring myself not to. It was supposed to be $40 and I was like, I do not want to pay $40 for this. And I read somewhere, it's like, different parts of the world, it's different prices. So I looked it up and I was like, £11.20. I was like, for £11, I can't not watch my favourite band's last ever concert. I'll be honest, it was a fucking letdown of a concert because it's their last ever show, and it was literally the exact same show that they've done the entire tour. Nothing special, nothing different. It was the exact same. I even pulled up the set list when I went to see them, and it was the exact same. But why should it be different? Why should any, Why should New York City get anything bigger and more flashier than Birmingham? What's their home city? You just everyone expected something a little bit different for their last show. Like, I don't know. I don't know. All I'll say is after we finish this, go and read Ian Danter's post. Our previous guest, Ian Danter, oh, after we've done this. See, I completely agree with him. I didn't expect it. I just, I, I don't know. I just thought maybe there'd be something a little bit special about it. But it was pretty much the same. But you know what? If that's what they want to do, that's what they practice. That's their fucking career. Do what they fucking like. But then there's the announcement afterwards. That's what everyone's shitting on. But I think it's great. Have you seen it at all, what they're doing? Of course I haven't. No, I don't know. But basically, because obviously they're not going anymore, they can't tour anymore. Like they're, They've been going for 50 years, for fuck's sake. They're tired. They want to lie down. They've basically used modern technology to scan themselves as avatars. So in the future, they'll do like... Have you seen the ABBA tour? That's basically what it is. It's the ABBA thing. Have you seen what ABBA are doing? Oh, the, well, the AI thing where they're yeah. holograms. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, they're basically doing that. And they showed a preview after the gig, and it looks really fun. But everyone is proper shitting on it. I'm like, simple. If you don't like it, don't pay to go see it. Yeah, they're like <laughs> the people that, that hate on festival lineups. Yeah, but don't, don't go. Just don't go. Simple. <laughs> if you, you have no interest in seeing Kiss in AI, AI avatars, don't go. I think it's great. I Because Kiss is all about the show and the performance. 
And this could add so much to it. I, I'm excited. I want to see it. I think it's going to be pretty good myself. But there we are. I know. I like everything before you say it. And yeah, that's pretty much all I've been up to. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, my friend? What have you been up to? You can watch a dog shit and go, fuck, it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life, this. Only Look at one. that. Look at the way it's curling. <laughs> Fucking for now. Go on, son. Um, that's how I feel about it anyway. Um, what have I noticed? It's a very good question. Uh, so I think the big news is that I decided to book two weeks off and fuck off to America in March. I think is I think is the main thing that's going here. Um, yeah, I got I was happy with my pay and I sorted my stuff out and uh, I did some bits and pieces financially to like sort my life out a bit more and was left over left over with a lot more than I thought I was going to be and was like, hmm, it's uh. I mean, the tickets aren't on sale yet, but it's Sting's retirement match at AEW Revolution in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I'm flying over to see our friend of the show, Braden Barry, for two weeks anyway, to go and see him for a bit. So I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to stop off in America and go and fucking watch Revolution in North Carolina. So that's what I'm going to go and do. Um, I'm literally like on the ball looking for a time when tickets are released because obviously it's in America. So I'm like, what time are you releasing the tickets? Oh, yeah. yeah, I do not want to miss. So I keep going back on the page every day being like, just to make sure Friday the 15th, what time? But there's no time yet. So I'm still waiting. It's 10 days away, but you know, anything could happen. And I'm really hoping they put Collision on the night before because I land Friday. So Collision on the Saturday at the same same venues, what they normally do before mm. pay-per-views would be fucking mint. So uh, I thought you live, only live once, so I'm off to America. Fair play. Don't uh, blame you. Uh, for 15 days. Um, so it's going to be pretty sick. And then I have to fly through Canada. So I've got to stay in Canada for an afternoon and then fly home. Uh, and luckily, home is a, it's an overnight flight. So I land back at like lunchtime on the oh, Saturday. Nice. Which is gorgeous. Yeah. So, re- so I, I just thought bollocks to it. I'm going. Like I, we've been, me and Brayden have been talking about seeing each other for the like last two years. So I just thought, fuck it, I'm going. I'm not doing this any. I'm not. We're not just going to talk about it anymore. So we're doing that. Um, so that's going. That's all. That's all paid for. Flights, accommodation, um, <laughs> town insurance, Esther, the lot. It's all done. I just need money to live on. Nice, which is amazing. I I did, however, book the Airbnb for Carolina for North Carolina. I'm there for three days, and I the check in time is four p.m. their time. I get there at midday. And I just messaged and went, hi, guys. Nice to meet you. Thank you for letting me stay in your apartment, your place, blah, 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 blah. If there's a possible, any possibility at all that I can check in earlier, just give me a shout. Otherwise, I'll entertain myself. And they literally came back and went, if you want to check in earlier, pay for the night before. And I just went, do you know what? I'm fine, thanks. I'll entertain myself downtown. I'll see you at four o'clock. Oh, I know. Dickheads. Ripped. <laughs> no, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I don't need it for Friday night. I'm in Orlando, so no. I will uh, just I'll just entertain myself and I'll see it at four PM. Just a dark. simple, unfortunately we can't accommodate this or something along those lines. Could have been a lot nicer. Yeah, I know. There. But I was like, nah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I that just that, that shit doesn't phase me anyway. So I'll just be like, okay, that's fine. Um I won't be doing that. I won't be giving you an extra hundred bucks. I'll just go down yeah. and uh chill downtown for a bit, get a coffee, have a wonder. Be really nice. Apparently it's lovely there. Very like foresty and stuff, like apparently it's lush. Yeah, so, I've only ever seen bits of North Carolina, but apparently I've heard it's a really nice place. Yeah, yeah okay. so I landed in Charlotte. I paid for my train up to the North uh, to Greensboro. Our so I get the Amtrak. I've never got the Amtrak before, so I'm quite excited. I know it's all pretty, pretty swish. Pretty excited. 
Um, All these words and names of things you hear in movies, but I don't know what the fuck they are in real life. <laughs> I'm just really looking forward. I think the Amtrak's a train that goes all over the country. Oh, okay. But it's really weird. You look at trains, it's like 37 hours rather than hours that are like four. <laughs> and and it's like way cheaper. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> and yeah, I are. bet their train drivers aren't on strike every other fucking day. I think fair play to them going on strike because they want more money. Um, just <laughs> we should all do it. We should all go on fucking strike this, this rate. Anyway, that's, that's by the by. Um, I caved last night and said to Keris, would you like to watch a Christmas film? And she went, oh my God, yes. And I went, would you like to watch Spirited on Apple TV with Will Farrell and Ryan Reynolds? Because I thought those two, it's got to be great. Do you know what I didn't realise, Jamie? It's a fucking Christmas musical, isn't it? Oh. And I was like, oh. What have I done? So she was having the time of her life. It was funny. But it was just a lot of singing, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm already going to Moulin Rouge in two weeks. I don't need this. Um, but it's actually a very good film. It's actually a really good movie. So um, I won't spoil it for you, but I, I do actually recommend it. Uh, she was having the time of her life, clapping away, dancing and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a good film. It came out last year, and Nickelback did the theme, the theme for it. So, which is it's called Unredeemable, the song. If you go on to Spotify and listen to Nickelback, Unredeemable, what a tune. Um, Will Ferrell sings it in the movie, but Nickelback have done the, the, the <laughs> song. It's really good. Anyway, uh, so that's happened. Obviously, the NFL was on the week. So I, I watched a lot of sport over the weekend. Um, and other than that, mate, just re-entering. Nothing, yeah. nothing of, of real note, to be honest with you. Other than that, that's been my life. Nothing's really fucking happened. Just getting ready. I'm going... Down to get tattooed on Saturday for the first time in years, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Oh, getting done? My chest still. Oh, getting, getting more, more done. It's, it's it needs finishing. It's fucking seven years old. And it's nowhere near finished. So it's I was like, it's been seven years since you started. 20, 2016, January twenty sixteen. I started it. My God, I remember yeah. when you first started it. It was like it seven needs, years ago. It needs fucking finishing. So, and that's been my week, really. Happy days. Well, I think we're all caught up. All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Berry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh, boy. It's time for your favorite Sogmont. Sogmont? Of the week. Oh, yes, it is. It's time for Callum's Fruitions. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's Treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. But Jamie, before, this is brand new and this will be happening every week. Um, Callum has got something he'd like to say to you all. Hello, this week's Treachings come from the set of my own podcast, That Gym Couple Podcast, that I host with my partner, Lucy, where we discuss all things gyms, fitness, gym anxiety, and a bunch of other stuff in between. If you do have the opportunity to come and check us out at That Gym Couple Podcast on Spotify and YouTube, we'd very much appreciate it. Make sure you go and check out his podcast, That Gym Couple, right now. Subscribe, 
like, share it, go and find it on all social medias under that gym couple with Callum and Lucy. I think they'd really very much appreciate it. But we're here. We have Callum for our own segment. Jamie. Yes, sir. Can you let us know what Callum's drinking us this week? Luxury cars advertise maximum speeds that you can't legally drive. Oh, my God, yes. So I don't get why they do this. Nor me. I don't get why it's like the speed limit is 70, but your car can go 240 miles an hour. Like, it just makes no sense to me. So you've got the option. It's almost like it teases you. <laughs> I can do this, but I'm not going to. I know you abide by your advent calendar, but as you can <laughs> see here, it says 70 miles an hour. But as you'll notice on your dashboard there, Colin, it says you can go up to 240. Now, do you want to abide by our laws of 70 mile an hour? Or do you want to test the fucker and see how fast you can go? I'm like I need a Yorkshire version of Night Rider now from that. I don't even know what David Hassoff's character's called. Oh, shit, I can't remember. David. I think it's, I think it's actually David. Well, <laughs> you're right, David. Bloody kit here, isn't it? Bloody kit. <laughs> Fucking car! <laughs> you want to uh, give us? Do you want to fill us up before we go off and fucking solve crime and all that bollocks we do? Dark motorway. <laughs> that I need it. Just please, someone make that. That is phenomenal. I'm pretty sure you can just get a tom tom. Is that what? Is anyone quite <laughs> Tom tom. Wow. I, I yeah. You know, I don't drive. You can tell I don't. <laughs> what year are we in? Um, uh, get a sat nav. I love it. Like turn right. Up uh, next lights, make sure go through next lights, up next lights, make sure to take left. <laughs> I'll be I'll be absolute champion that Absolute champion. If you just take right there, Duck. If you just take right there, yeah. You'll see lovely lovely shops on side. Oh lovely, look at cobblers. Look at the cobblers on the shop. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, you're still on M1. Wait, hang on, where are the shops on M1? <laughs> Have you just got past Leeds? Dirty bastards. <laughs> that would be amazing. But no, I remember before like being, I think it was at work in a break room or something, and two people having a conversation about their cars. I'm like, oh man, I can get this many horsepower, can do it to this speed. And I'm just sat there thinking, yeah, but you can't drive it at that speed. Why are you comparing dicks over something you can never do? So as you can see by my one inch, it, go, it goes about 300 mile an hour in about 0.2 seconds. What is it, faster than the speed of light, is it? Are you all right there? It's same like programs like Top Gear, and they're doing that, and they're like, oh, it can go up to this speed. I'm like, all right, it's not practical, is it, really? Can't do I it. suppose people do love... I don't know why they make it that way, though. I suppose if it was like to get out of a sticky situation or something, I don't really know, but... <laughs> if I'm robbing a bank, it'd be great, but other than that... No, I meant with like glue or toffee getting out of the city. <laughs> Sorry, that was such a bad joke. <laughs> that was so poor. I'm so sorry. Um, but it's almost like they make them designed to go, oh, if police are chasing you, we'll make sure that you can get away. <laughs> uh, we'll put a fail safe in in case you're getting chased by police. It's all the northern stuff. Sorry. I love it. It just, so keep, much. It just keeps coming out. It's because of my fucking granddad's message. Me. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what oh, it is. Oh, Sheffield's. I got a real Sheffield now. Fucking twat. Like, <laughs> you got ale. I need a fucking ale in here. Hey. Anyway, sorry. Oh. I'm losing oh. the plot. Bloody love Emma. Bloody love Emma Dale, me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're a decent soap on telly. 
tell, I tell thee. I tell thee. All I, it is I is tell thee. Oh, yeah. None of that Lancashire shit to Corey. Fucking Lancashire shit. <laughs> it's all about fucking Emma Dale, yeah? <laughs> we are Emma Dale. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should probably move on. Probably. <laughs> what else is Callum treating us this week? Cats are the only domestic animals where it's perfectly acceptable to see them strolling through a city or town without any human accompaniment. <laughs> Very good fucking point. I've never thought of that. I can't just sit hamster walking down the road. <laughs> I mean, birds do it, but I suppose it's, it did say domestic animal. Yeah. So, yeah. If it was a cockatiel or a budgie, I think then you'd be looking a bit weird. <laughs> Just taking your parrot through, <laughs> through the fucking through the streets of Cambridge. Ah! I've heard there's some treasure around here. <laughs> Avasti lovers. Say hello to Percy the parrot. Because obviously, their first name has got a rhyme with what they are. Ah! <laughs> Okay, for those who are on audio listeners, just to see Tom's face when he said "r," you've got to watch the video. That was a great pirate face. I enjoyed oh, that man. very much. Oh, I'm pleased. I'm pleased you enjoyed. <laughs> it's the one and only time. It's, it's there now. It's like take a picture. It'll last longer now. It's on video. It'll last longer. Um, so you can enjoy that to your heart's content as much as you wish. But don't put it in the wank bank. I think I might be a bit weird. Yeah. Um, you know. What a float boat. <laughs> Becky's like, what are you listening to? Uh, <laughs> Um, I wonder if West Ham fans come bubbles because their song is I'm forever forever blowing bubbles bubbles. I'm forever blowing bubbles (laughs) pretty bubbles in the air (laughs) oh my god bubbles (laughs) I'm gonna gonna bubble (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna fill you full of bubbles, love. What? Are you okay? What's what's matter with you? I just want to fill you full of bubbles, love. West from West Ham, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, we're talking about cats being domesticated, walking through the middle of cities. Not about West Ham fans. I mean, Callum's a West Ham fan, so you know. Oh, well, that works. There we go. There we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I completely forgot for a second. Then sorry, Cal. I'm not sorry at all. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it is yeah. it is kind of weird because we're dog. I don't know why dogs wouldn't come back, would they? Because they just love everything. <laughs> Whereas cats would be like, "Excuse me, do you mind? <laughs> this is my step. I will enjoy my step, and then I will saunter home because I suppose I need feeding." <laughs> that is exactly what cats are like. Yeah, They're fucking assholes. Well, people get that misconception, don't they? That's what that's what the human race decided that cats do and are sound like and are like. It's a good point, actually, really. We don't know what they're saying or thinking. We no. Just, we just assume. Let's go. Lights! Lights! Oh, my God, there's a light before. <laughs> anyway, so I'm really starving. No, it's lights! What was that? <laughs> anyway, so, like, why is this tail attached to me? Why is this swishing <laughs> behind me? I better get it! <laughs> That is the one thing I love about cats. They can sit there with the grumpiest face on. They just got to put this little red dot on the floor, and they just turn into a kitten again. They're like, "Yes!" They just lose their fucking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's like heroin for them. And cats on catnip as well. That's the one that cracks me up. Did I tell you? I think I told you last week about the 
it might have been last week, it might have been the interview, can't remember, about the automatic feeder that broke and the cat went fucking batshit and would not, like, last let go. Show, yeah. It was just, like, yeah, proper chomping down. There's a video I saw earlier of a cat will be getting stroked and it's as soon as it hears the automatic feeder work, it's fucking gone. <laughs> and it just goes and starts eating. So they can be stroking like, oh, that's absolutely lovely. Yeah. Gone. As soon as it hears it, absolutely hilarious. That's what my cat would be like. Like, she turns into a whinging child as soon as she's hungry. She'll literally just walk around and go, it's like your feet on for another hour. Don't cats just do that anyway, generally? Oh, well, yeah, it's fine. Generally, but yeah, especially when she's hungry. Like, she doesn't stop. But people, don't people walk cats on leads as well? And, and, and like, I, I don't get that. You can do that. I, I remember going to the pet shop to get something for the rabbit, and there was a rabbit lead. Who the fuck takes their rabbit out for a walk? I suppose it's nice for them, because they're domesticated inside all the time. I suppose it's actually quite a... Just what fresh air is. <laughs> but, yeah, but rabbits, as soon as you make them jump, they fucking die. They'd be useless outside. But they live outside. Yeah, but I mean, like, not necessarily in the garden outside. I mean, like, going down, like, outside in the main road, the car will beep its horn and you go, fuck! <laughs> Stupid animals. Oh, shit. Anyway. <laughs> and finally, Jamie, what else? Is Callum treating us this week? There's an age-old saying, a rolling stone gathers no moss. But a moving ceiling fan gathers dust like a motherfucker. Yeah. I wonder if it's because if the stone's rolling, it's probably too fast to pick anything up, whereas a ceiling fan goes at, like, a mile an hour. <laughs> it's like... So the dust just goes, ah, lovely. Nice place to settle here. Fucking hell, what's going on here? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> it's like a pigeon on the wing of the plane. You've seen that pigeon that sits on the wing of the plane. It takes off and the pigeon's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I, I don't think it expected it. just slides all the way off and flies. <laughs> That's amazing. It didn't expect it. It's just like, oh, this is nice. This is nice. This is going a little bit quick, isn't it? This is getting a bit fat. Oh, my fucking God. You must be joking me. Oh, yeah, I've got wings. It's fine. I'm all right. What am I worried about? Um, he's, he's absolutely right, though. I remember living in a place with a ceiling fan before, and I used to clean all the time and everything, but I never thought to clean the top of the ceiling fan outside, out of mind. And I did it the once, and I was like, holy fuck, there's a colony up here. Like, what the hell is all this? Where did this come from? You turned into, like, a dust monster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, shit, you know. It's like a cloud outline. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah I've never... I, I just Dust just gets everywhere. I watched someone clean it on Xbox and they, like, peeled it all off and I was like, how? It's sealed. How did it do that? Like, this gets everywhere. It's crazy. It's everywhere. Mental. Absolutely mental. But yeah, I, I feel that the stone's probably rolling. But does anyone roll stones anymore? No one rolls stones apart from Mick Jagger. I was going to um, say, yeah, apart from Mick Jagger and, and the boys. Who's... Keith Andrews? Keith Richards. Keith Richards. Who's Keith Andrews? No idea. Let's <laughs> make that up. Probably. I was close. What's <laughs> first name, right? I just don't care for old music. It's shite. I'm joking. Um, so it's just, no, I just, I I was not ever brought, I was brought up on it, but I move with the time. Some people move the time, some people don't. Some people like to stay in that era. Um, so, which is fair, Jamie. Which is what they like. Exactly. It'd be boring if it were like the same thing. Um, the old stuff's just not for me. Sorry, Jamie and Jasmine. Happy birthday, Jasmine. Noise cartel. Thank you. 
This is recorded on your birthday, so just want to give a big shout out for all the guests you've given us over the years. Thank you so much. Anyway, uh, Callum, thank you so much for uh, treating the world, the nation, the universe. Uh, it's graciously appreciated. But Jamie, as always, I've now got to follow. You do indeed. It's Tom Tom's Journal. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Jamie, yes, do you ever put your coat on too soon? Like, before you leave the house, then you can't find your keys anywhere. And then you're hot as fuck looking for them, and then you nearly have an anxiety attack and a heat stroke all at once. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that so many times. You put your coat and everything on, you're like... Oh, I don't need to leave the house for another 10 minutes. Shit. But you don't want to take it off because you, you're half committed. You've got your shoes and coat on now. It's oh, one of those weird things, yeah, where it's like you're ready to go out, but then you realise that the other half's not ready or whatever, and you're like, well, this feels a bit odd. Yeah. Then, it's, then it's odd to take it all off because <laughs> then you have to put it all back on again. So what's the point? And that's when they come downstairs like, you're not ready to go yet. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, One time... Uh, when I worked as a host at a fancy restaurant in LA, Joaquin Phoenix people called to try and book him in uh, at a last minute table for that night. And I said, <laughs> more like walking Phoenix. And they literally hung up on me. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I would have hung up on you too. I wonder if that story was true. <laughs> Part of me thinks it might have been. Yeah. So when I was your age, we used to have to sleep on the sidewalk outside of Best Buy on Thanksgiving night just to fight a grandma at 5am to save 30 bucks on a Nintendo Wii. <laughs> I'm so glad we've never had that Black Friday culture of fucking fist fights over a TV. Didn't, didn't it happen? Like, the first time we did it over here, didn't that happen? Shit, in Tesco, yes. Yeah. I remember uh, now, yeah. And then, obviously, as Brits, we went, that's probably not a good idea. We should probably <laughs> stop doing that. Yeah. I forgot all about that. What crazy world we live in. I know. But now you get like, you can have £40 off if you spend 50 Again. Black Friday sort of deals shit. have gone shit. Yes, because we don't want anyone fucking fighting anymore. <laughs> so one time, I broke up with this guy via voicemail. And his band then recorded a guitar riff over it and used a song intro. He definitely fucking won, didn't he? Fucking brilliant. <laughs> I've heard some songs though. I think I Prevail have done it. Like quite a few bands have like put breakup stuff in in their songs and stuff like that. Really? Where, like, people are apologising over the phone. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Makes me think of that conversation we had with Defects about using voice notes in songs. Like they should do it. It'd be great. If you listen to I Prevail, Love, Lust, and Liars, there's a bit in the middle where there's a, girl, a woman crying, mm. saying she's sorry. There we are. And then the lyrics are like, "I gave you my life. I gave you." Like it's really good, really. It's, the song's amazing, anyway. But it's, I was a bit like, oh, there's a crying woman in the middle of this, <laughs> as you do. So, at what age are you expected to learn the phonetic alphabet? Because I still panic and start saying stuff like T for toenail. <laughs> <laughs> but I had that at work. We'd have to do that with uh, A, B, C, and D, and I did that. I had a complete brain fart. I can't remember what I said now, but it was something ridiculous. But the guy I was given the job to was ex-military. 
Oh, so no. he was just <laughs> pissing himself. Yeah, I bet. That's all they're talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was surprised Mercury people in his citrus go, Alpha does tango out. <laughs> Foxtrot, <laughs> Juliet, Juliet. <laughs> Good one. Good one. <laughs> Golf oxtail. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> you always did it. You always go like, oh, Alpha, Beta, Charlie. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> I think I think maybe so is that. I think it went A for Apple. Using kids for that alphabet. <laughs> Apple, banana, huddle, <laughs> and doctor. Um, <laughs> elephant, box, dolphin, hotel. Um, anyway, I brought back your British ways to say, and I know you love these. Oh, I love these. So British way is to say, we won't be eating here again. Okay. It was all right. <laughs> it was interesting. Wasn't the best I've ever had. <laughs> it was certainly an experience. Oh, that's so British. <laughs> well, the reviews are good. <laughs> oh, it looked really nice on the outside. <laughs> it wasn't great, was it? <laughs> well, I could see what they were trying to do. <laughs> Again, so fucking British. Well, you have to try these things. <laughs> we know for next time. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the view. Um, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. <laughs> I definitely think I chose the wrong thing. <laughs> Maybe they've changed the chef. I've even said that one before. Saying thank you. That was lovely to the waiter. <laughs> lovely thank you. No, no. Was, yeah, cheers. Thanks for cheers, that. Yeah. <laughs> Females. My baby is so smart. Me. Where's your birthday, little man? Him. Schnicken nugget. <laughs> It's so true, though. All parents do it. It's not just moms. Like my baby's so smart, he lifted his hand in the air today, and we look at him from outside, like, get the fuck over yourself. Lifted his arm in the air. By the way, if I say things like "by God" or "good Lord," please be aware I don't mean it in a Catholic way. I mean it in a 1950s scientist reacting in a horror after they recreate an evil creature in the lab set in the distant future year of 2005. Yes, that is the correct way to say those things. Let's go full Doc Brown. In The Little Mermaid, Prince Eric can't speak to the animals like Ariel can. So Kiss the Girl must have been a fucking horrific two minutes for him. <laughs> He's got this crab like fucking whispering in his ear, but no idea what he's saying. <laughs> and finally, one of my four nephews has brought me wine and said, Here's your Christmas juice. And now he's the one I'm leaving everything to. <laughs> and that was another edition of Tom's Journal. <laughs> 
Oh, it's one of those rare occasions that Tom actually enjoys something said by a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'd never have to worry about that ever. So it's, uh, it's kind of, I make sure I get that in every now and again. That I, you know, don't have any kids, so it's uh, yeah, we it's know pre- you don't, and you don't plan to. It's we pretty know. fucking great. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because you know, I I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mr. Stevens. Jehemi, 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 Jamie, 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 Jamie. It's audience participation time. Participate, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. Ah, oh, slowly become my favourite part of the week. Um, <laughs> this week, I said, I like to ask all of our guests the same question each week, as you know. And after last week's edition with the best answer to that question ever, I thought I'd turn this question to our wonderful audience. So this week we ask, when you were little in your formative years, what did you want to be when you grew up? What say you, Mr. Stevens? Hilariously, I want to be a radio DJ. Well, that's and sort so of we're kind of, we're kind of <laughs> sort of here in a way. Yeah. Without just don't play music. We just chat. So yeah, I, I always want to work in radio. Always. That's all I ever want to do. When I got a bit older, I want to be a firefighter. So and I did it bits of that college and that sort of thing so yeah it's kind of yeah radio dj was the one i generally wanted to be when i was growing up for me it was always a chef and then i got into that line of work and i realized it was fucking hell and got out as quick as possible yeah that's an acquired taste i feel yeah i think there's a difference between like cooking and doing it as a job because they're a whole different beast well i wanted to work in radio and i want to be a wrestler and my parents, both of them, told me uh, that I should stop having these pie-in-the-sky dreams and get a real job when I'm older. And what exactly is a real job? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so this is kind of a big, like... Let's story. Some... Oh, no. I think it's all we had before, yeah. Let's get some audience answers. Kay Gill, in possibly the most bizarre two ends of a spectrum I've ever heard in my life. A doctor or a clown? Yeah, I love Kay. She's great. What? <laughs> what? She just had like a, a movie of hers put into an award. 
She's making movies, basically. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. So it's great. She needs support, to make a film about a doctor. Support, support independent movies. Absolutely, absolutely. I think we spoke to enough people that make them, so absolutely. Desiree Mansfield, I wanted to become a nurse. Go on, Des. We love our Des. <laughs> Adam Lancaster, happy birthday for yesterday, sir. He wanted to be <laughs> Gary Rhodes. Not a chef, yeah. Gary Rhodes. Was that it for the name. hair? Yeah, that name I completely forgot about until he said it. <laughs> he was everywhere back in the day. So, so, so sad he's not with us anymore. Shit, I forgot he died. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, Claire Jones, she wants to be an archaeologist. I found that answer popped up a lot. Yeah, I've seen that one quite a few times. Yeah. I wonder why. That and paleontologists, they seem to be. Isn't archaeologists the people that brush sand away for hours? Yeah, that's literally just... I can see why people want to do that now. <laughs> I just... Oh, I'm an archaeologist, but I just brush sand with a... <laughs> With a weird turkey, <laughs> with like a basting brush. I went yeah. to university to learn how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, there's a coin. Oh, it's a quid. I love that. <laughs> okay, <they'll> keep going. <laughs> Aidan McLeod says, I wanted to be a cowboy. That like. And he's Irish, so I wonder <laughs> what an Irish cowboy would look like. <laughs> or sound like. Why, <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> Martin Skerritt he wanted to be taller. I love him so much. <laughs> Darren Stevens says, I just wanted to still be a kid. To which the other he's a rough says, So you were successful then. So there you go. Did That's you... my dad for you. Yeah. <laughs> he sent me a poem about farts a few days ago. <laughs> Definitely succeeded though. <laughs> <laughs> Former guest Mark Woodyat says, I wanted to be an adult. It didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> Who wants to grow up? That's no fun, is it? Ruby Goodwin says, I wanted to be a window cleaner. Fair enough. Easy job, mate. That If the money was there, that'd be amazing. Right. There's so many jobs now. I look back now and go, oh, fuck, I wish I could go back and do that, but I get paid what I get paid now. Like, stacking a shelf. I'd fucking love that now. I know. Mindless, mind-numbing. But you don't have any responsibility. You don't have to ring anyone. You just get in there. You put shit out. You go home. Perfect. Yeah. Ideal. Yeah. I always have those pine sky dreams. Like I'm going to work my way up to management and then do it. And you're like, why the fuck did I want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> this was stupid. <laughs> Lydia Manson. I wanted to be a pediatrician. Fuck oh, no. Yeah. No, fuck there we have. No, fuck that. Fair play to it, but no, not for me. <laughs> I don't get paid in America, though. But it'd be unbelievable. Rick Joyce, he answers us on LinkedIn. I think it's the first time I've ever had an answer on LinkedIn. He says, I wanted to be a stuntman. Although these days, sleeping wrong ruins me for days. <laughs> I feel you on that one, Rick. <laughs> um, Laurie Jean, I wanted to be a flying horse. Obviously, that didn't happen. It's a Pegasus, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. She wanted to be Pegasus. <laughs> My sister, Rhiannon Myatt. I wanted to be a dance teacher, but I quit dance. That would help if you stuck with it, yes. It's one of those wonderful things as a kid, though, is it? No one sticks with anything as a kid because you haven't got the attention for it. But then when you get older, you go, ah, shit. <laughs> exactly that. But this is a quick story. My niece, uh, Maisie, she's 12 now. Mm. I think she's 13. Yeah, she's just turned 12. She now plays for Gloucester City Women's Developmental Team in football. Amazing. But my brother-in-law, her dad, is a football coach and has been for, since he left school. Um, 
And when she was younger, she fucking hated it. And as she's got older, she's like, it's almost like it got forced in. But now she loves it. And now she's playing for Lost City Women. So it's there we are. It's, it's great. Really cool. Sorry. Just, That's awesome. Yeah. Stick with your dreams, kids. Don't give up. Yeah, be my, my mother. I was going to be an archaeologist in Egypt. I got a GCSE in archaeology, and that's as far as I got. <laughs> yeah, why is it always Egypt as well? <laughs> my mother's had a love for Egypt ever since she was little, so there we are. But... Yeah, but everyone's been an archaeologist in Egypt. It's Greece. Yeah. I, bet, I bet the South Americans have got fucking loads going on. <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> always I, just Egypt. Want to see, I just want to see pyramids. <laughs> Pretty much that. Becky Westwood at one point I wanted to be an air hostess and at another point I wanted to be a mom I achieved at least one of them well there you go can't imagine her as an air hostess I was but I'll say after the show (laughs) Gemma Williams depending on what age between four and seven I wanted to be a shepherdess never heard as a shepherdess a shepherd female shepherd I'm guessing Uh, between eight and thirteen I wanted to be a vet between thirteen and now Fuck knows. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Gemma. I'm with you on that one. Cat Finch in an answer that really amused me for some reason. I wanted to be Joan Jett. Fair play. Fair play. Don't blame me. And last but not least, because I just... I feel you, Graham. I absolutely feel you. It's our good old friend Graham Arnold. says, I always had an answer as a kid, but now I'm 36. I have to accept the sad fact that I'll never be a Power Ranger. We have to get into acting first, don't you? Talk to my Eric he might be able to help you. Good point. Um, I just want to give a massive shout out to Kat and Tim Finch for their lovely Christmas card. Thank you yes. so much. Absolutely lovely. Or the postman seemed to put it in the rain first. So nice. mine's quite damaged, which is fucking annoying, but still, there we are. So I don't know if the Welsh just go, it's not <laughs> wet enough yet. <laughs> There we go. I'll post it now. But yeah, thanks for that. Anyway, but thank you. It's lovely, lovely little gesture. So thank you so much. Um, if you thank you to everyone that participated in Jamie's challenge. If you enjoyed Jamie's participation challenge, Tom's journal, Callum's reaching the absolute gobshite we talk uh, and the interview. Then you enjoy the other 112 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple, or any other platform. We're everywhere. We're there. The Chronicles of Podcast. You can find us. No problem at all. You can also come on down to our YouTube at The Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that bell to get notified when our new videos are released, and comment to your heart's content. It'd be graciously appreciated. On our YouTube, you will find all of our shows are on there. Excuse me. All of our interviews are on there. All of our hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesdays are on there, which are all our interviews from previous channels. Uh, all of our Bloodstock 2022 and 2023 interviews are on there. Our Bloodstock vlogs for the Sophie Lancaster Foundation for 22 and 23 are both on there. Our 2000 Trees interviews are on there from 2023. And of course, our Dublin Crust vlog as well. I always feel like I forget something. I don't know why. Um, I'm pretty sure it's everything. And basically, if you want us, that's where you'll find us. At the Chronicles of Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe. Everything's on there for you to enjoy. You can also find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, whatever it is. Share it. And comment whatever you do on Facebook these days now uh, because it's definitely not a platform it once used to be um, and whilst I was waffling I've completely forgotten um, Jamie where else can you find us? You can find us listening to the brand new Jacket Thief album Lights Out on the Shore because it's a banger of course or on our Twitter at TCOPod or X or whatever the fuck it's called these days and whilst you're listening to the Jacket Thief 
new record, uh, Lights Out on the Shore, and on our Twitter slash X. Um, where else could you find us? Pitching to every TV production company in the world for a Northern Yorkshire Night Rider, because we need to see it. Of course. And on our Insta, Graham. All that. At TCO Pod. You can find us on TikTok at TCO Pod, on LinkedIn at The Chronicles of Podcast, or come on down to our sexy little websites at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can find out all about us on there. All of our shows, editions, and episodes are on there. All of our affiliations and sponsors are on there. And of course, our little dainty shop where you can get yourself some TCO Pod merch as well. So to recap, that is at TCO Pod on all social media or on YouTube, at The Chronicles of Podcasts. Get subscribed, get following to keep up to date with all the latest news and interviews. Um, And now, I think I'll pass you over in three, two, one. Jamie! Hiya! Before we get out of here, let's say thank you to a few of our friends. Every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you by the wonderful Mr. Matt Roberts. Go check him out on all social medias, at Matt Roberts Music. Go follow him on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your music from. Go listen to his latest single, Rat Race. Matt is promising on those social medias there is new music on the way, so make sure you are staying tuned so you know when it's available. We can't wait to hear it. And of course, we have to say a massive thank you to our friend, Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to staycozyclothing.com. Check out all the wonderful bits of apparel you can find on there. It could be this T-shirt that I'm adorning today. It could be that hat that's on Mr. Stephen's head right there. It could be those wonderful mugs I talk about every week. It could be anything, including Braden's latest album on LP. Whatever it may be, add it to your basket. Enter discount code The Chronicles and get yourself 10% off your order. And last but not least, we have to say a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation because they are stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. And I mean everywhere because this is a global issue. It's not a UK issue because people in the alternative subculture are being treated differently because of the music they listen to, the way they dress, whatever it may be. And quite frankly, being treated differently because of the sort of music you listen to is a little bit ridiculous. So if you've never heard Sophie's story before, head on over to sophielancasterfoundation.com. Familiarise yourself with that story. Share it out in the world for those who've never heard it. The foundation is so important. It's teaching the children of today why treating people differently for expressing themselves is not acceptable. There is no better cause in the world. Like People should be able to just be themselves. So help them to help the future generations, head on to sophielancasterfoundation.com, like I said, and see what you can do to support. And last but not least, a massive thank you to my wonderful co-host here. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate that. Was, oh, me? You. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. Um, Another delicious edition in the bag. Indeed. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to sit and chat with us. We uh, really enjoyed talking to you. It was great. And I hope that drum lesson went really well after we spoke to you. So, <laughs> yes. um, Absolutely superb. But as for this week, we are going to see you all next week for the final interview of 2023 with Ron Nevison. Oh, yeah, baby. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.